we talk to people who have had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences, where they're able to experience a sense of self that's outside their own body and they look at their body and the word I means they are looking (laughs) down at a structure which is their body. If they regain, return to their body, they have learned something about themselves and one can call that soul. Now, not everybody who has an out-of-body experience enjoys it, but the majority of people that do that is life-changing. And when they come back into the body, far from thinking, gosh, I'm going to escape this body, they look around, they see the wonder of the world. It's almost they're infused with compassion. (laughs) And also the other thing is that the ones I've met, and there have been several of these, is that they have no longer feared death. They haven't seen death as the end because they have been able to escape the body, come out of the body and experience that, knowing that that was not the end for them. Do they know that that's eventually what's going to happen? No, they don't know. But the fear goes... This is Bruce Lipton, and you're listening to Planet FM. Kia ora, greetings, and welcome to Planet FM 104.6. I'm Tim Lynch, and I trust that you are doing well. I invite you to stay with me over the next hour as we discuss and find ways to take care of our unique and magnificent green planet Earth. from Auckland's North Shore, I have Dr. Robin Kelly, who I previously interviewed some time ago here on GreenPanetFM.com, and the title being From Empathy, Compassion and Nurturing to Betrayal, Sociopathy and Psychopathy, as well as his book, The Human Hologram. So today Robin is going to be talking about on his take of transhumanism, and this is a hugely powerful and emotive subject, which is positioning itself even as we speak, to supplement or surpass human biological evolution by the enhancement or integration of technical and mechanical means such as artificial intelligence and computer chips. And then there's the other more natural school of thought, and that is that humans who believe or know that all humans have souls can, through various metaphysical and spiritual disciplines, coupled to love, can evolve or awaken their spirituality into a greater reality that we can call God, the creator or source. So with that rather quick summation, I wish to say kia ora, Robin. Hello, hi Tim, lovely to talk to you. Well, I thank you so much, Robin, for wanting to bring this subject more to the public mind because we need a discussion around it. So as a medical doctor who has a wide experience of bringing babies into the world, and also being present when elderly, those who die from debilitating sickness and leave their body on their last breath, how do you approach this far-reaching subject of transhumanism? Well, Tim, I've thought long and hard about this, (laughs) especially over the last two or three years where it's been into, it's really been in our faces. So ultimately, I have my concerns in that, like yourself, we wouldn't be able to be having this conversation without technology. And I've been looking and researching this because it's important for this interview. I don't just give my personal 
views, although I will do that, and they would, I hope, be based on my personal experience with so many people, but also to get some understanding of the thinkers of the day. Well, what are they? Are they enthusiastic about the prospect of man and machine merging? Or are there concerns? How are we going to face this? Is it inevitable? Is there a degree that's inevitable? And if that's the case, are there compromises? So, yes, I have my own feelings on this. And I suppose I have to start with, a, I suppose, a sense of caution that I have because my own feeling is that human intelligence and artificial intelligence are different. And I, I think the word artificial is the critical word because my own view of intelligence that it's far more than just our computational skills basically the what is performed by our brains and particularly our left frontal lobes whatever now that i believe is part of our intelligence but it needs to be balanced by what i would say emotional intelligence and in more sort of common parlance our heads and our hearts have to be working together and that's true intelligence and our intelligence also involves compassion care and love and it is so important that as we embark on this new era, which is already where we're through, we're treading into this new area, that we don't lose what I believe is our humanity, which is hugely important for our survival, but also the survival of our, I suppose, our planet. Our planet will survive. But we also have a guardianship. We also have the responsibility to look after and care for our flora and fauna. And that's only sensible because they look after us. So if we're going to be really smart about this, we have to be also really cautious about how machines and humans blend, if that's the right word. Yes, certainly. So I would like you to be able to, as a doctor... (laughs) <laughs> to be, yeah. I'm happy to, to defer to you. Can you extend this? Yes. First of all, I think so. Well, what is a technology doing for our bodies? And I am, despite I'm a medical doctor, I'm a family doctor, and I'm sort of in awe, and I have been for 30, 40 years, about the progress that medicine has made, particularly in branches of surgery where the techniques have become more delicate, more focused, and helped by amazing technology, whether it's MRI scans, CT scans, or tiny little stents that are put into tiny blood vessels, too. Yes. So, which is a type of augmentation in some ways. We're using technology and we're using non-organic material to help the body. And that is the positive. Now, I have to say that what it is helping is our mechanic. And if you look at the body purely as a mechanical structure, that we're just basically meat, not meat and veg, but (laughs) meat and crystal and bones all encapsulated in skin, and that's all it is with an added brain, that that's all there is to the human body, then we could say that you can augment it. But, of course, I'm coming from another totally other area of, I suppose you mentioned soul earlier, are we souls? Are we not just mechanical beings? Is there more to us than mechanical beings? And I certainly, my own feeling is definitely, yes, that is the case. What is consciousness? It is very important that we're having a huge debate about what consciousness is. Is consciousness merely a byproduct of the brain and if it was of course you could augment that according to to many people and not myself that we could improve our consciousness by adding to that in the brain or is in fact consciousness a greater is there what we call the primacy of consciousness is consciousness pretty well all there is is consciousness information all there is 
Are we a filter of this information? Yes. Uh, are we filtering in uh, our appreciation of this wonderful world, as you say, the, the three and four dimensions? Are we filtering that in? And by filtering in that information, are we able to act in this physical world with purpose, compassion, and intent? But what are we also filtering out? Are we at times having to filter out other information that we may only access if maybe when we're asleep or we're meditating. Now, it is so important that if we get into this next stage and augmenting what we feel as a human into a machine, that we understand what it is about us as humans. In fact, what it is about all living tissue. And basically, the human race hasn't worked that one out yet. No. Uh, so we are stepping into an experiment where we could be doing a lot of harm due to our lack of knowledge about what living is about, what, what it is to be alive, what it is to die. So my concerns are that, yes, we are stepping into areas and the people that are, seem to be taking us into these areas of transhumanism, artificial intelligence, if you like, do not seem to have formulated any idea or sense about what it is to be human. They are saying we have That's to right. prove it, but they haven't defined it. They haven't defined consciousness, nor, I suppose my concern is, nor do they seem to have had any, many of them had any training in or study of biology or physics yes. as it applies to the human body. So my concern is that we're stepping into these areas knowing a bit about machines, but knowing very little about the human condition. Yes, well, I think another thing is, too, is that you'll know them by the fruits they bear. Yes. As a great saying, and a lot of these people who are promulgating this are technologists. They are, in many ways, focused on the nuts and bolts of computerization, for want of a better word. And I think if you have spent some time in a hospice or you spend time in a hospital with people, you start to have more empathy with people, you get an understanding. And I ran into a friend of mine the other day and he told me that he was present when both his parents died. Yes. And he said, I saw something. Yes. I experienced it, I felt it, you know. And it's like the hair stood on his back because he realised that this transition out of the body was basically into a great mystery. And those people who've, you know, I've had the privilege of being a hospice director and, and it's a huge privilege being present with a family who's experiencing the passing of a loved one, also for my own father. And if one believes that's the end, and there's no evidence that that's the end, but if one believes that's the end, then of course one of the focuses would be, hey, let's devise some technique where we can live longer and how we can live forever. However, if we talk to people who have had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences where they're able to experience a sense of self that's outside their own body and they look at their body and the word I means they are looking <laughs> down at a structure which is their body. If they regain, return to their body, they have learned something about themselves and one can call that soul. Now, not everybody who has an out-of-body experience enjoys it, but the majority of people that do that is life-changing. And when they come back into the body, far from thinking, gosh, I'm going to escape this body, they look around, 
they see the wonder of the world. It's almost they're infused with compassion. (laughs) And also the other thing is that the ones I've met, and I've been several of these, is that they have no longer feared death. They haven't seen death as the end because they have been able to escape the body, come out of the body and experience that, knowing that that was not the end for them. Do they know that that's eventually what's going to happen? No, they don't know. But the fear goes. And I just wonder about this as we move into these theories that we can augment the body with machines, whether we're really reacting out of fear, that in fact we are just mechanical, imperfect mechanical machines, and we can improve the mechanics of the body, no end to such a point that we will never have to escape this body. Well, this is it now. It comes down to, there's an old story that evidently comes through the ages. We are spiritual beings Mm. having an earth experience. Yes. And when we embrace that or get an understanding of it, I think that recent, over the last 50 years, the churches throughout the Western world have, in many ways, failed hugely around the fact of talking about soul. They've been sort of pushing, you've got to be saved. But there's no talk of soul. And yet, can I jump back? Mm. Raymond Moody, Kenneth Ring, mm. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and I was there at the Auckland Town Hall after Elizabeth Kubler-Ross had mentioned or had spoken of three profound examples of people having an out-of-the-body experience and looking down on their body and having the, the surgeons work on them, etc. Next minute, bang, they're in their body again. I had the good fortune to be asked to go up and give the bouquet of flowers to Elizabeth while she was on stage in front of an audience of 1,600 people, which means there are a lot of people interested in what happens at the time of death where you get a glimpse of something far greater and far superior but I'm sort of leading away from the subject matter which is transhumanism so I'll let you get back on subject. Yeah I don't think we're drifting too far because I think that humanism or human humanitarian approach also embraces birth and it embraces death and we see if we observe nature birth and death all the time and death is necessary for rebirth if we all decided that we could improve our bodies mechanically to such a point that we do live forever it's a fairly selfish state to be in (laughs) yes that means that we'd have to probably limit the birth of people or else we'll become overcrowded and even if we go to another planet so it hasn't really been thought through and of course we naturally love living here so we have a love of life that doesn't mean we have a total fear that grips us all day about the fear of dying of course we don't want to die but if we reduce the fear of dying and sadly we're confronted by images of violent death all on the media and many of the programs that are popular now are beautifully acted thinking of like the game of thrones which i've only seen about 10 minutes of you have to say the acting is marvelous and the production values are marvelous but the content is pretty pretty awful and we're sort of confronted with death and violence all the time albeit balanced by probably beautiful scenes so many people are being i suppose convinced that more and more that that the death is going to be horrible whereas when i was working in the hospice 
I'd have to say that our focus was to make death like drifting into a deep sleep. Every time we go to sleep, we've no guarantee that we're going to wake up again. We don't fear it, do we? No. Well, you see, the, the next extension of that is dreams. Mm. I mean, I'm a dreamer. I, mm. dr- I dream all the time, and my dreams are ten times more profound in their beauty and their makeup and their texture and their dimension than you could ever get out of industrial light and magic from George Lucas or DreamWorks from Steven Spielberg. Mm. They are, they're so profound and then I'm meeting people in my dreams and they tell me that they're ill and then I ring them up the next day and they're sick and they tell me that, that they've been unwell. And so there's another huge, the collective unconscious, call it what you wish, is an extension of who we are as a human. And so I have no need for transhumanism whatsoever because I know the realm that I have touched on and am looking forward to upon my last breath is going to be far more wondrous and more loving than any machine can offer up to me. And I was just thinking of this when you were saying this. Is this transhumanist agenda going to be taking away our dreams? Are they going to... Does a computer dream? I don't know. I don't think so. Are people so keen to create more virtual reality at somebody else's command, by the way, that they will insist that this is going to be better than any dream that you have? Are we going to supplant our dreams with their dream? Are we going to be taking away... Are we going to be stepping on our dreams? Uh, Which I think is what W.B. Yates said, isn't it? Don't step on my dreams. I see. This morning I went up and I had a whole look at a lot of websites to read through all this about transhumanism. So I I just plugged in my download and put them in my computer and I put my headphones on and I listened to them whilst I drove to the the radio station to hear different versions of everything because we haven't got time to take in a lot of this information so I'm using my driving time to catch up and I think this is just using technology (laughs) to assist us to learn about technology and there's some very very powerful statements pro and for yes. and there's in America there's Ray Kurzweil yes. and he's part of Google, he's an AI expert and he discusses artificial intelligence and his future and he talks about that in so many years time we'll come to the great singularity, have you any opinion on this? Well I've been looking at his stuff and Elon Musk's recent statements and I mean that's a wonderful thing that before we knock technology at our fingertips like never before we have this amazing encyclopedia in front of us and we're able to tap into the greatest minds alive and get details of the greatest life and philosophers that there ever been so so i'm a fan of all that and also we're able if we've got an open mind to look at both sides of the argument and i think that's what we need to do but we need to totally understand where the transhumanists are coming from those who are the proponents for artificial intelligence and the merging 
of artificial intelligence with human intelligence. We have to understand exactly where they're coming from, why they feel that this is going to be A, inevitable, and B, the greatest thing that's ever happened to humans, the necessary next step. We have to understand that. And when you're seeing the promotion for that, that's just a little bit of technology, as people know. The next step in Wi-Fi communication is called 5G. Uh, And they call that the Internet of All Things. Works on millimeter waves. We need antennae, relay stations every 50 meters or so, so they'll be outside everybody's house. Very problematic. Very problematic. And they'll be connecting, they think, well, they're connecting everything to everything. And they are saying, well, this is going to be marvelous because we need this for our driverless cars. And if we have driverless cars, then everything's going to be safer because we're not going to be bashing into each other so much. And they'll probably say that we'll die into the algorithm if you get sick. An ambulance will be able to zoom through all these driverless cars and it will be given right of way and it'll be there in no time at all. And so the promotion of 5G, which is basically connecting the Internet of Things, connecting everything to everything else, will heavily use within that how how important this is going to be to our health and our survival. Also, that they'll be able to sense everything that's happening in our body or on our body, and that'll go straight through to a database somewhere and will be able to be handled and corrected remotely, sadly including our brainwaves. So I'm sure there's a positive, there's a spin they'll put on this as to how this is going to be terribly helpful for us. The problem is that if one looks at other, I suppose, theories of consciousness, everything is already connected, closely linked, I suppose, very dangerous physicists to listen to this to link consciousness with quantum theory. But in quantum theory, there's the entanglement, basically, that everything is already connected. So in other words, we've already got a background connection in the universal background or field. So already we have an internet of all things. Even in these dimensions, these third and fourth dimensions that we're in, there's a connection. Everything is connected. In my books, I talk a lot about things like sacred geometry and where there are the mathematics of the observable world seems to have very common features we could call pi and Fibonacci series etc etc the golden mean so we can see there's already a connection even when we look at it they also talk about this new technology being we need to increase bandwidth so we download things more quickly everything is working much more instantly but of course if you look at a certain understanding of consciousness we can say well already there is if there is entanglement as entanglement is fundamental to our existence then everything is instantly entangled okay so we can't get uh, better and that we have an instant connection wisdom and knowledge some would say if you're in a, a state of relaxation or meditation or even in the zone that we're instantly connected to an infinite infinitesimal if i can say that bandwidth of information now many of us would argue with them many people would argue with that and i say bring it on let's have the discussion let's have sam harris discussing that with others and rupert sheldrake or whatever let's have the discussion i'm not coming over saying i know this i just happen to feel that this is a very i don't know it, it seems to be a very 
important and I'd say advanced way of thinking and let's have the discussion but we need to probably have the discussion about this before this other stuff is imposed on us which is basically is what's happening and this includes 5g yes this is, this is a very important one. We're going to be having a big discussion around it with some key people here in two weeks' time. So what I'm wanting to know is that, I want to throw this in, we're talking about consciousness being migrated from the human condition over into a machine. Now, we saw a particular situation with Avatar, where James Cameron was able to have a human being in the form of Jake shift his consciousness over into what he called a, a vacant Navi body and then automatically he was in that body and he was able to function and there was some sort of memories and knowingness. We don't know the full story but this is here out there in a big movie that you can shift your consciousness from one being to another. However, with when it comes to machines on this plane and on Earth, you can shift memories to a machine, but you can't capture the soul. No one can capture a soul of a person. They might be able to traumatize a person that is that the soul is completely overwhelmed with data. If you've got computers operating at the mega billions of computer power bombarding a human body, I don't know if this is achievable, but it's still a goal that Ray Kurzweil is saying capture the imagination of people. Yeah. Yeah, I can't quite gel with Ray Kurzweil on this because uh, with a computer, it's what we put into the computer. Basically, we can put in so much data and it can gather data from many sources and it can spew that data back out to us much quicker than we can because it doesn't have all the complications of our life. It doesn't have to go to the toilet. It doesn't have to eat. Yes, it hasn't got a pimple on or something yeah so i mean there are many things that i think it, it can do and hence you know there's a wonderful way that we can tap in and talk like this and 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 do our research and and know that by and large it's producing the facts without that are more authentic and that's wonderful and and that's going to be hugely helpful to us particularly in in medicine you know it, it can it can remember things we can't remember and it's great for that but we're talking about, and his idea is that, because he believes that he's atheistic, I think he said that. Correct. He doesn't believe in anything outside the body. Therefore, he would say that our total zenith, our total capacity, our hopeful evolution is held in our heads and our brains. Therefore, people who are very clever are sort of more evolved than others. Therefore, he would say, well, let's look at the computing power of a brain and I can outmatch that and we can overtake that very quickly, you know, by in 10 years' time. And then we can look at what that can do for us. He doesn't talk about the heart. No. <laughs> and and now we know even if you look at the brain, there's a subtle balances between our, our limbic system which houses the hippocampus and amygdala and the light, which are basically a processing plant for emotions, among others, and the connection between our emotions and how we put our emotions into action through the frontal lobes. And that's just looking at a head, but there's more to us than a head. And one of the things I did in, in my medical career in, in the 80s, 90s and, and beyond was to look at other models of health. 
Eastern models of health who see ourselves as energetic or spiritual, or I'd say energetic first, uh, yes. and then material second, much like an atom, which we are comprised of, we, we comprise of atoms. So there's nothing there that, that, that in fact conflicts with our understanding of biology. They will say that, that it's hugely important that our bodies and our heads, which of course head is part of the body, are all functioning in an integrated manner, particularly the heart and the head. The Chinese, when I started learning Chinese medicine, the Chinese talk about the brain being the hollow organ. Okay. And that's somewhat reminiscent of the fact if one does allow oneself to get into a state of meditation, of perfect relaxation, then thoughts and inspirations come to us. And therefore, it's not, it's, it's about getting a lot of the brain out of the way for our creativity to come through. But also, what happens is the harmony between the heart and the brain, the, the work done by the Heart Maths Institute. Excellent. Hugely important. Excellent. But if we're going to be in a state of peace and compassion, we focus on the heart and the brain stops chattering. So it's almost as if we're just a computer and the computer, mechanical computers are better than us. Then I would say that you'd have to turn the computer off for it to start meditating to gain more information. <laughs> but he's not saying that. You've got to keep the computer on. So I don't know what the bottom line is. It's not based on any understanding of the human condition, simple biology, simple physics, or not, or even more the physics of the last hundred years. It seems to be based mostly on what we're missing in life, what we're apparently missing in life. And the sad thing is that to get people hooked into accepting the artificial intelligence, if you like, the next step, one has to be dissatisfied with one's life. Therefore, that sets the scene for addictive activities, I suppose. So, hence we have a, the hope that the young, the hope from these companies that the young people will be already wedded to their handheld machines, will see that as an extension of themselves, an extension that is not only important but vital to themselves and the next step of course is saying well you don't have to hold it in your hand or put it on your skin and the next thing is well augment it in the body so there's an addiction process which an addiction is born mainly out of emptiness and loneliness we always want more and more the thing about an addiction is we're never satisfied with what we've got and it worries me that in fact this whole scene is going to be built upon this well a knowledge of this emptiness but also the addictive patterns that are being seeded in to our younger folk this is unfulfillment unfulfillment yeah, that's right and we have to really have a look at this one because intuition intuition i mean park your intellect and just go out into the bush, uh, a forest, up into a mountain at the beach and just still your mind and all of a sudden everything opens up. You start seeing the connections and nature and the, you know, just the weather patterns and the sun and the moon and where it all works in harmony. You have the waves breaking on the beach, all the different birdsong coming in from different areas and this allows us to I don't know, fill ourselves up, fill this vacuum up, because I want to swing across just here to include 
with Rupert Sheldrake. Mm. He talks about phantom limbs, uh, people who have been mm. in an accident and lost their arm or leg, mm. and even though it's been amputated, they can still feel that arm and leg. Yeah. Now, this really gives major focus to the soul and our spiritual body. And this is very, very important. And even he's got a book on based around the feeling of being stared at. From behind. Because I've been in a situation when I used to fly for Air New Zealand and pass through the airport very regularly. And I had a a girlfriend who worked on the front desk for another airline. And I used to walk past maybe 40 metres away and I'd stop and I'd just stand there for 10 to 25 seconds and I would just stare at her. I mean, we had a deep relationship and then all of a sudden she would look around and she'd look directly at me. And this is soul to soul. And we must realise if the universe is holographic and as you say in your human hologram book, Robin, the connection is <laughs> profound of all these energy fields. The connection is already here. I'm speaking with Dr. Robin Kelly. He is a family doctor here in Auckland on the North Shore. And we're talking about transhumanism and where it could lead us if we are not alert and focused. The connection is profound of all these energy fields. The connection is already here. We've already got the connection and it's interesting we sort of have to let go of our striving often to to make that connection, you know, and, and, you know, I write and I try to write songs as well. I'm not saying I write great songs, but the songs come when I get everything out of the way. They just come fully formed. Uh, I don't know how that happens. And I, I was listening to Paul McCartney explaining this. And all songwriters explain how songs come fully formed out of music, yes. if you like. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think um, Keith Richards was saying, I can't, you know, the satisfaction, the stones of satisfaction, that came to him, you know, at three in the morning where... <laughs> he, he'd got, he still got no satisfaction. He yeah, it, had, it had to be very powerful <laughs> to get through to him at three, I think. But, yeah, absolutely. So by getting out of the way, this is... Uh, so uh, we already have this bandwidth, which surprises us, but it also carries with it something else, something very unexpected. That's what creativity is, something that's unexpected. And so... We need to understand this. It's inevitable, of course, this technology is going to be coming through. But we have to make sure that we are basically safe. Because the the other thing, as you were saying, is that we have an electric field. Basically, we have a magnetic field around us. We're like, our bodies are rather like the stone in the stone fruit, Mm -hmm. where the magnetic, where all the flesh is, in fact, around us and, and can't be seen. So when we have other another field of energy imposed on us it's far more important than just saying it's going to be just touching the skin or below the skin it's already penetrating our field that's around us and that's where you know our understanding of when we lose a limb and we have a phantom limb we realize that perception of our limb is still there i want to tell you a story because i did an experiment with rupert sheldrake when i contacted him because i had a a patient who unfortunately had lost her leg through gangrene and she had a condition where she was beginning to lose her other leg as well that was going on. and at that stage I was doing acupuncture quite a lot of acupuncture like I am now but I asked her to close her eyes and she was able to feel me touch her phantom limb a limb that wasn't there 
Yes. And we're actually <laughs> to touch it. And I managed to repeat this on one or two other amputees that I saw as well. So the perception, of course, in the I suppose the, the current feeling is that there's that limb is still represented in our brain and therefore it's uh, an illusion uh, or a delusion that, 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 that there's something that still remains. I questioned this okay. through our experiments and I talked to Rupert about this and this has been repeated several times as well. There again, what do we know about the human body? Do we, are we totally aware of everything about the human body? Well, of course not. We're in a state of quite profound ignorance, and yet we're willing to impose upon the body many unknown factors. When there are a lot of scientists around the world, and maybe 180 that have formed a moratorium concerned about the effects of 5G telephones, yeah. network and in fact uh, on the biology and knowing without a doubt this is uh, not compatible with normal biology and normal functioning nobody who has had a look at it has been satisfied that it's safe none of that appears to be important in the unrolling of 5G none of that seems to be important we are not taking a cautionary first do no harm primum non nocere approach it is so we are going into the unknown and there will be people who will suffer but the, this would seem to be as far as the big international companies concerned if they did think about it necessary sacrifice for people and my concern is it'll be the babies yes. those who are super sensitive those who are unwell those with autism so and those are the ones that will suffer initially cats and dogs cats and, and not only that absolutely we're being very anthropomorphic aren't we <laughs> so cats and dogs and bees and and bacteria on our skin of course all this understand this is only produced by a philosophy if you can call it that that we're all separate and that we're all mechanical and all living things are just just machines none of this is based in any science at all you'd have to say it is cognitive dissonance on a widespread scale and almost cult-like behavior en masse <laughs> to feel that we can impose this stuff on the body and totally improve our lives as a result. Well, I would like to know how a machine intelligence inculcates dopamine to allow us to experience joy and exuberance and the feeling of being totally happy. Well, that's right. Although it could do it in a way that it's more than dopamine, because dopamine can also come if we're addicted to something as well. So it could, it could actually impose on that cycle so that we're never happy, we're never satisfied <laughs> until we get the next hit, which, mm -hmm. of course, is what we're seeing and what, how technology and is being used to attract people in, if you like, into this state of being which it is being claimed is going to be a far better state than the being that we have already in my reading transhumanism is a way of thinking about the future that is based on the premise that the human species in its current form does not represent the end of our development but rather 
a comparatively early phase. Yes. Now, that's one side of the coin, and the other side of the coin is the transhumanist agenda is more than just artificial intelligence or AI or robots taking over jobs or transgender restrooms at a public facility mm. to accommodate an ever-growing push for uniformity among the masses. Transhumanism is seen or could be seen as post-humanism. Mm. And it is humanism with the optimism taken out, a movement that advocates for the transformation and advancement of humanity through technology that runs the gamut from nanotechnology to AI. And this paradigm is not limited to gadgets and medicine, but also mould, social, economic, cultural, institutional design, language and the psyche. And to be clear, they state transhumanism is a manufactured endpoint to human evolution. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're all in a transhuman state. We're all, one would have to feel that we're all evolving and that we're evolving um, consciously and spiritually. One would, one would feel this. But you would say the transhumanists, as you've just described, would say, no, we're not. We won't get anywhere unless we involve this technology. Now, just a couple of things this year I've seen in my <laughs> medical journals is yes. that there are talk bots now. The University of Southampton, the students and the undergraduates and the graduates have been researching talk bots, which are basically used to counsel students. They put them on their desks and <laughs> the talk bot, well, they're listening bots, really. They're not in the right places like a good counsellor. And apparently the, the student can open up more to this talk bot than, than to a human being. Wow. Which is what that's saying is that, and as a therapist, I take umbrage to that a little bit because I believe that just by the presence of another human being, there is value in that presence. Now, it gets worse than this, Tim. <laughs> There's all visiting talk bots now that they are sending out to the elderly and the infirm as health visitors who have been and the talk and these machines this is this is true can say how are you mrs smith in the right places you know or you're looking a bit peaky today they've got they've got all these programmed expressions absolutely so of course these are jobs that don't that they would quite like to be taken over by machines this is frightening but it's but it is actually happening and what it's doing is devaluing the face-to-face, the value of face-to-face communication. And although we're talking, having a great time talking on the phone, when I see you, Tim, I have more fun than when I'm talking to you on the phone, <laughs> believe it or not. Yes, naturally. <laughs> it's a vibe thing. Yeah, and, and the same with my work as a doctor. You know, I'm facing a computer. I actually rather, and I do in my own practice here, don't face a computer. I face the person and gain as much information I can from that person, not just from what they're saying, but from little nuances and how they smile or look away or tears form in their eyes. This is the art of human connection. Now, I'm saying that we need to understand the value of that and also we need to understand what happens when that is under threat, where in fact this 
one-to-one communication rather than through machines? What are we losing if we uh, are not experiencing that at a level that, that we need to? And you and I know, Tim, that connection is, is a healing connection. It's probably the basis of healing when two people face heart to heart and one listens with intensity and, and, and with compassion. And if one begins to understand that, then one has to be concerned about whether that type of human interaction is under threat. Very true. And because there is little debate about it, I mean, they've had no debate about 5G telephone networks and so the next wave that's they're endeavouring to push and when I say they the established shall we say corporations who can they're in a situation where they're they're all cashed up they've got plenty of money and they've got support from various I don't know big wigs in the big mm. game they can push that agenda we are in a situation where so we have grassroots and we're endeavouring to be able to inform every person who's listening to this program and asking them to share it with their family, talk about this at the table and then talk about it if they go and have a coffee up the road with their friends or if they're in a sporting club or the choir or, or something like that. The imperative is that we cannot actually sit around for much longer because we see what's deteriorating around us and we can see the health and we can see the stress and we need to be able to empower people, get that inner candle burning fiercely in our heart to make contact. And I agree, and with 5G pretty well on our doorstep and it's being rolled out in certain places. I mean, the evidence for this is that, yes, it does penetrate the skin, the proponents will say, well, it only doesn't penetrate that far. Again, a complete misunderstanding of the ecosystem of the human body. We have to realize that our microbiome, that we are an ecosystem. Where yes. we, we're we're a, a mixture of not only of our tissue, but trillions of little critters, bacteria. We even got, got good viruses in our eyebrows. We've got little mites. <laughs> bless them if you start talking about irradiating the skin even with non-ionizing radiation you're going to change the whole environment as you know we do when we when we affect our environment outside our, our world's environment the same thing happens in the body the evidence is now pretty strong that it affects cells cals- how calcium goes in and out of our cells how it also affects our fertility at the very start and also our eyes the most susceptible people are babies and babies probably still in the womb very true now the mother is the one that knows about we've talked about a heart of being in contact with somebody now the mother the mother's love are we saying the mother's love isn't intelligent are we saying that when we say talking about artificial intelligence how many of these edicts that we're getting from the computer from the companies are talking about the uh, love. How, my, how many people are young women actually talking? They're not. They tend to be young men talking about how they can get better games. They can be at a football match and still be with their mates at home. That's how they're selling it, as if those are the most important things in life. They seem to have forgotten that they were born of a mother, <laughs> and the mother fed them and nurtured them and loved them. So is, is this 
are these rays that are going to be coming in and, and these frequencies, are they going to upset our most vulnerable and our children? And are we uh, men and as elders are going to allow this to happen uh, if we do indeed have a voice? We have to have a cautionary voice. We don't know. There's no evidence. There's no... We don't know for sure if this is going to be safe. In fact, the evidence seems to be mounting that it's not going to be safe. And the problem comes then is that we may not see it immediately. These may, this may be uh, something that builds up over many years, just very much like uh, cigarette smoking as it causes lung cancer. We won't see the immediate effects until it's too late. Those are the dangers. And the people that are most susceptible are our babies and our children and that generation. Yes. It's brought up the whole thing, mothers and their children, mm. particularly in wars. I know in the First World War and the Second World War, mothers were at home, they were doing work, and all of a sudden they feel this pulse, and instantly mm. they know that their son has died on the battlefield. Yes. And they think, oh, and their heart becomes instantly empty. And then, say in New Zealand, and then three weeks later, they see a postman coming up on his bike to pass a letter over, and she said, I don't want to open the letter. Well, and I wonder if, that, if that's going to be as those connections are going to be as vibrant and as meaning if they're holding a handheld device in front of them or that, that is substituting what they call a big, big bandwidth where other information is pouring through information from other sources information that may not be coming from from what i say that that universal connection that they have the love connection they have with that child because ultimately those intuitive moments are born of love uh, they actually are probably passed on through heart to heart connections as much as head-to-head connections are we going to be interfering with that are we going to with these frequencies we ultimately we don't know but there's a chance we will be well yes if this transhumanism idea gains ground they might find themselves in a situation where there's too many humans on the planet so they might think okay well what we'll do is we will find a way a crispr i think is one of their new gene editing methods where they can actually interfere with the gene so that we do not have babies come into being because we can actually stop the fertility process yeah and it may automatically be dialed into the process and it may have to be because if all the Kurzweil family are living forever there's no room for us is there really that's where the problem lies and then they might think gee I need another R2D2 of my own (laughs) (laughs) and I will upload my dog in there or or whatever so we're going into what all ducks hustle said is a brave new world and and people don't really understand that there's two things going at the moment there is Orwell's 1984, mm. which is using the fear and the control component, and then there's Aldous Huxley's, where they're actually giving people so many drugs that they're so out of it that they don't even care and won't get off the sofa to make any effort whatsoever. So, and these there's a combination of these two, should we say, concepts that is running at this moment. And I just had uh, I read reread Brave New World last month. And you're exactly right. He didn't 
later essays, Aldous Huxley said, you know, he missed a few points here. He didn't predict, and no reason why he should the nuclear, because it was written in 1932, I think. So he didn't predict the effects of nuclear war, and he didn't really predict artificial intelligence. But of course, what had happened then is that certain levels of humanity were being bred. They would be bred, the alphas, right down to the lower, lower phase. Each one would be bred to be comfortable in their own existence, if you like. And rather than machines doing a lot of the work, those lower humans were doing the work and were sort of satisfied with that. But the top echelons, you know, the alphas, who didn't have to do any work at all, they went around, they just swanned around, not facing any emotion at all. Motherhood was banned. This is based in 600 years, what they call post-Ford, because it, basically their god was Henry Ford. Yes. Uh, and because uh, Henry Ford had started the, I suppose, was part of the capitalistic... Production dream. line. The production line. But So in other words, they, they lived their sanitized life and they took Soma, which was like the blue pill at night, where they could experience bliss, but they never experienced... They never experienced challenges. The Bible was banned, but also Shakespeare was banned. And motherhood was thought to be absolutely disgusting. So you couldn't even talk about these things. Uh, they were hidden away from people. And so this was a sort of a, a world where nobody grew. And, you know, going back to other philosophies, we are faced with challenges in our world so that we grow, so our consciousness grows and that we maintain our humanity and, to a certain extent, our humility and our compassion and our common sense. But we have to be challenged, challenged as well. And what are we doing if we're taking away those challenges? What are we going to do for this so-called utopia, which in fact turns out to be a dystopia? Yes, thank you. The, the answer is the red pill. Everybody, we, yeah. we need to face this. If you love your children, you love your grandchildren, the time is now. And I want to say, Robin, we're out of time. I would like to say thank you very much for offering up your insights and your wisdom and your love. Oh, bless you. Uh, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Everybody else has. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you, Robin. I look forward to coming in and lying on your couch uh, sometime as my family doctor. <laughs> well, I probably I won't be replaced by a talk bot this week, but you never know. Next year... You could have some cyborg. That, that's right. You. That's right. And I don't want a Marilyn Monroe cyborg either. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, look, thank you again, Robin. All the best. Cheers, brother. Lovely talking to you. Bye. Bye. Hold on. That was Dr. Robin Kelly. And as you heard, my personal doctor speaking on the challenges of transhumanism and the 5G network. And it's coming to you next week. So next Thursday, listen to this. And we need all listeners to participate for a 5G free New Zealand. We're going to have a very strong program on 5G with some top people. Now, I'm going to do something slightly different. I'm going to offer up some back-channel communications with Robin when we talked about the program that we have just completed. And I only trust that Robin doesn't mind of him being shared to a general public. Here we go. Ah, oh, what a laugh. 
Did that work? Well, look, I'll tell you what, there's so much meat in there. <laughs> that, I mean, again, we could actually go back into transhumanism again because what we did is we, we sort of cut transhumanism off at the pass. We talked about the should we say the soul aspect, the spiritual aspect, the yeah. the feeling, the intuitive, loving, caring being. And so people who listen to this will think, okay, well, now we've heard that. And if they do go up there and say the augmentation, there's one crowd saying, well, look, if a person's got all these crippled legs, let's cut legs off mm. and we'll put new legs on them, metal legs or blades, for example. Mm. In the meantime, we're killing untold thousands in battle zones all over the world. I mean, this is madness. I know it is as well. I hope I came over as not being Luddite. Luddite actually was based on, I don't know whether Luddite existed, but he was actually concerned that the machines were taking over, the sewing machines were taking over. Yeah, yeah. And people, which is only right as yes, well. Yes, yes. So, so Luddite doesn't mean you're anti the machine. It means that you're pro-soul, you know. That's right. Yeah. Roman? I hope it worked. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It was challenging as well, wasn't it? Thank you. Oh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have much preparation, to be perfectly frank, because I've been just going for it. I've stayed with four different people mm. in the last five, six days traveling down around New Zealand. I'll tell you what, listen to Roy Harlow interview. And he has got rushfm.co.nz and man, he's a spiritual warrior. There's no one I know of in New Zealand. And I know John Eisen and John is too, but this guy is so erudite and man, he's he's got such a clear statement. He's on it. And that was on AI. So it'll, it'll blend in, won't it? Oh, it's going to just come perfectly. This radio program, I feel, is really starting to get to grips with the issues at the moment because we're at a crossroads on so many levels. We know that ordinary New Zealanders have very little input as to really what's happening solely because we're being dictated to by overseas corporations and entities. And it's a very difficult one for us, really. And, you know, big business and governments... They back into each other as well. And so, yes, however, we are not going to go to sleep on this one. We're going to really bring it to the public consciousness. That's all we can do. So thank you again, Robin. Okay, you okay. take care. Thank you. enjoyed it. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. I'm just wanting to be able to give you a heads up. This came out just three weeks ago in September 2018 up in San Francisco. And the Bay Area may be the centre of global technology industry, but that hasn't stopped one wealthy enclave from protecting itself from the future. The City Council of Mill Valley, a small town located just a few miles north of San Francisco, voted unanimously late last week to effectively block deployments of small-cell 5G wireless towers in the city's residential area. Through an urgency ordinance which allows the City Council to immediately enact regulations that affect the health and safety of the community, the restrictions and prohibitions will be put into force immediately for all future applications to site 5G telecommunications equipment in the city. Decide to network. Use every letter you write, every conversation you have, every meeting you attend every email you send, and remember even Facebook, to tweet and to express your fundamental beliefs and dreams, affirm to others the vision of the world you want, 
Network through thought. Network through action. Network through love. Network through the spirit. You are the center of a network. You are the center of the world. You are a free, immensely powerful source of life and goodness. Affirm it. Spread it. Radiate it. Think day and night about it, and you will see a miracle happen. The greatness of your own life in a world of big powers, media and monopolies, but of 7.6 billion individuals, networking is the new freedom, the new democracy, a new transparency, and a new form of wholeness and happiness. This originated by Dr. Robert Muller, Chancellor of the World Peace University in Costa Rica, Central America. I invite you to be able to come to greenplanetfm.com where we have over 400 interviews in our database which you can readily download and listen to to be able to inspire yourself to become the change you want to see in the world and become involved in caring for your children and grandchildren's future. We are also on Facebook, on Green Planet FM and ourplanet.org. Please come and love us. This is Tim Lynch. And or Lisa Eyre. And Liz Gunn. In the spirit of Aroha, wishing you a wonderful week. We look forward to being with you next week. I say kia kaha and haere rā.